you know, in Max Lucado's book, Anxious for Nothing, he, he talks about the biggest river in the world. And it's not the Mississippi River, it's not the Nile River, it's not the Amazon River. He calls it a river called the If Only River. He says many people stand on one side of the river looking across and always wishing there was some way they could get over to the other side because if they could get over to the other side, they feel like everything in life would just be what they wanted to be, everything that they needed to be. If only I could have more money, life would be great. If only I had a better appearance, well, I'd feel better about myself and life would be good. If only I had more friends. If only uh, I had a better job. If only I had this or if only I had that. Always in our lives, we seem to be ruled often by that idea. If only I had just one more thing. If I just had this particular thing in my life, my life would be different. Life or thing would be great. And I could live the kind of life that I've always wanted to live. If only I had this and if only I had that. That, le that leaves us in a lot of times in our lives in a... A mindset of just defeat, not living in the power, not living in the victory, not living in the joy that is ours, that, that we are alive, that we do not have COVID and some of those things. Those are joys that we can experience. And it's not a if only, if only, if only. When we dwell there, we, we lose sight of things. And so I want to just spend a little bit of time looking in the book of Philippians in chapter 4. There's some verses that speak to us as, as God gives us some words through Paul that relate to this idea of understanding how we deal with that if-only attitude. That calculator mentality is what it really is. If you add up this much on one side and you much on this side, as long as I've got more on this side than I do on this side, maybe everything will be okay. And we, we, don't, we live in that realm too often, and we lose the joy that God has for us. We, we miss so much of life because we're always waiting for what's coming around the bend, what's next. What, if the only things would happen the way I wish and dream that they would happen. So in chapter 4, we're going to look at that. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. And we're going to look at verses 6 and 7, and then skip over to verses 11 through 13 in, this, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. So as we look together and hear God's word, the scripture tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then picking up in verse 11, it says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we listen to those words that were penned by Paul through the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I pray that we could take them seriously in our own lives and we could apply them to who we are, that we could understand that we can trust you. Well, that's really what it's talking about more than anything else. If we get into the if-onlys and the possibilities of this and that, we, we get into the realm in which we're trying to take life on our own terms, when we're trying to live according to our own means and our own abilities, and we're not trusting you. And Father, what you want more than anything is for us as your children to learn how to truly and fully trust you for who you are. Trust you for what you have promised us, that you will provide for us, that we can take your word and we can allow it to be so real in our hearts that we don't have to fret or worry, we don't need to continue having that kind of wishful thinking, but that we can walk in the certainty that everything that you desire for us to have, everything that would make our lives full and, and meaningful is available to us 
if we just would trust you and to look to you for our help in all things that come. And so, Father, I pray that you just remind us these things that I'll mention this morning are not things that are new to any of us. We know these things. We've heard them. We've probably told ourselves some of these things over and over again. But, Father, just let it sink into our hearts this morning. Let it take root so that it can begin to grow again and produce the fruit that it needs to in each of our lives. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we look at that passage and as we think about it and and talk about what's going on here, Paul is writing to us and wanting us to understand that we need to get out of this mindset if I just had a little bit more, but just had a little bit more. Rockefeller was once asked, how much is enough? His answer, just a little more. Just a little more. And, And you and I might look at him and think, how could you ask for any more than what you've already got? I mean, you got everything you could think of. And yet, but that's the mentality. When, whenever we get into that realm in which we think it's about what we have, it's about how we look, it's about what we do, it's about all these kinds of things in our life that make meaningful in our lives. Of course, TV doesn't help anything with its commercials holding up before us. This is the way to have a successful life. This is the way to be happy. This is the way to be joyful. These are the things. And we begin to feel that way. We begin to want those things in our own life. Well, if only I looked the way she looked. If, I, if only I had the athletic ability he had. If only I had the kind of money that person had. If only... If if only, if only, and we get caught up in that anxiety because all that can do for you and all that can do for me is create a sense of worry, a sense of anxiety, a sense of concern. Will we ever have it? And it's not so much always about the things that are happening. It's not about the storm that's going on now, but it's about the storm. What if we do have a storm? It's not about all the things we get caught up in, all the possibilities. What if there's a, a, a car wreck? What if there's a plane wreck? What about the market? Is it going to be up or is it going to be down? What's going to happen if this party's in, in, in leadership? What's going to happen if that party's in leadership? What are we going to do about this? And how are we going to do about that? And we get caught up in every little thing, and a lot of it's not even going on. You know, I used to tease my kids because they, they talk to me a lot about worry. I, I like to worry. It's a kind of a good habit I have. It's something that works well in my life, and it, it's, I found that it's very successful. Everything that I worry about never comes about. And so I, I really worry about these things so that I don't have to worry about them coming about. As we look at it and we see those kind of things, and, and, and I'm a worry ward, and they know that. But when we do that, we get so caught up in, in the concern about what might be that we lose sight of what is. We lose the joy of the moment. We lose the ability to experience what's going on. And so some of us are, are even worried. If we're not worrying, we're worried about the fact that we're not worried because there might be something that we need to be worrying about and we've missed it somewhere. We just let it get a hold of us and, and take a hold of our lives and the things that are going on and it rules how we walk day by day about what's going on. We're afraid to try this or we're afraid to do this because what if? What if? And so what Paul is trying to say to us is that we're not to have that kind of anxiety. God doesn't want that in your life. He doesn't want you to be anxious about anything and things that are going on. Let me just read it to you the way Jesus said it. And he said uh, in Matthew chapter 6, as he said, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, and they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, Will he not clothe much, much more clothe you? 
you have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus was saying to us that we don't need to be concerned about those things if we're God's children. Those outside of Christ, those who don't know him as Lord, don't have the provision, the promise of all that's there. But as his children, God's going to take care of us. He's going to meet our needs. He's going to walk with us in every experience of life. It doesn't matter what it is. He's always going to be there with us in those times. And we can trust him. Now, I know for us, the struggle oftentimes is not so much that we don't get what we need, it's that we don't get what we want. We're thankful, you know, we can't get to that place where we can be thankful that God has provided every one of my needs. You say, well, I, I, I prayed about this and I wanted that and God hasn't given me all those kind of things and being a part of it. You know, God said he would provide our needs. And our problem in, the, in America, at least, is, is that we so have defined need by desire, not by really what is necessary in our lives. I want this. And, and if I could only have this, that'd make all the difference in the world. But when we get it, then it's not good enough. You know, you buy that brand new car, and you spend all that money on the brand new car, and you're excited about it. You drive off the parking lot, and it goes down in value by thousands of dollars just because you drove it off the parking lot. And then you, as soon as you get home, there's a brand new color that came out, and it wasn't the color that you saw, and that's the color you wished you had instead of the color that you got. We're never quite satisfied. We're always wanting a little bit more, a little anxious about this and the things that are going on. And that's the mentality that the Holy Spirit is trying to correct in our lives, trying to teach us and change in our minds and hearts as children of God that we can learn how to trust our Father, that we don't have to live in anxiety. See, that's what Satan wants us to live in. He wants us to be worried about everything. He wants to be anxious about everything. He wants to be concerned about everything. And I'm not talking about the fact that you and I as, as Christians should not be concerned for things for other people, shouldn't be concerned about life and its welfare and its meaning and its significance, but all the things that, that clutter our minds and our hearts, all those things that separate us from joy and keep us from experiencing what God wants us to experience, that's what he's trying to talk to us about. If we could just learn to trust God for that, Paul said, then I could give you the peace that you want, that you long for. If you wouldn't be anxious, if you'd trust me as your father, if you'd look to me and, and allow me to be the one who guides and directs you, who trust that I will make provision for you, I will get you through this situation, I will be in this time with you, I will help you in these things that are going on in your life, trust me in those kind of things, and then the peace of God can prevail in your heart, in your mind, and you don't have to wake up every day wondering what's going to happen today and how's it going to happen. I can trust God for this day. I don't know what he's going to do today. I don't know what's going to happen today. But God does, and he's my father, and he's not going to desert me in the midst of it. He's not going to get me into some kind of situation where I'm going to walk into it and say, so, wow, yeah, I never expected this. And God said, oh, I know how you feel. I didn't expect it either. That's not where God is. God knows what's going on in your heart and in your life, and he knows those things that you're going to deal with, and he's ready in every instant to be with you and to walk with you in that moment and to help you if we could just learn. God, I trust you. I trust you. Today, as I begin this day, I put my life in your hands. I'm committed to you. I will, I will walk with you in peace today. I'm not going to let the world cause anxiety to overwhelm me. I'm not going to become so worried about everything that's going on in my life that I can't find any joy today, that I can't find any meaning today in what's going on. And so Paul talks about that calculator mentality. And, and really what you and I need to learn 
it's not so much about what do I have or do I have more, but am I more? Am I growing? Am I a better person? Am I becoming what God wants me to do? Am I allowing God to work in my heart, in my life, to teach me what he wants me to know so that I can be the kind of person that represents him in the things that are going on? And so, am I more? Am I better today than I was yesterday? Am I growing today? Am I becoming more like Christ? See, that's what his desire for you and for me is. Scripture teaches us that God is working in everything in our lives to bring us to a place that we become more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that ought to be the desire of every day. That ought to be the hunger of our hearts and our minds is that we're becoming more and more like our Lord as we seek to have the kind of character, the kindness, the love, the peace, the joy, the forgiveness, the things that are there that we could do because God's working in our lives. And so we need to see and understand that. And so what we need to change from, instead of having this calculator mentality in which we have to add things up, and, and you know, let me just throw this in real quickly as a thought. A lot of people are depending on their salvation in the same way. If I'm good enough, I'll get to heaven. If my good works outweigh my bad works, I'll get to heaven. So there's a scale. And I'll put all my good works on one side and all my bad works on the other side. And if my good works outweigh my bad works, then God has to accept me. Well, I'm sorry if you believe that this morning. I want to let you know that you're wrong because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there's only one way that we can be right with God, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ and the acceptance of what he did for us upon the cross. There's not any other way possible. No matter how good you are, no matter how much your scale may tip in favor of your good works, the Bible teaches us that the very best of our works is but filthy rags in the eyes of God. So that's not going to work. It doesn't work living. It doesn't work in eternity. It's just not what we need to be looking for. But when we begin to put aside that, when we begin to let the peace of God rule in our hearts and we overcome that anxiety by the help of God's grace and the things that are in our lives, and we begin to develop what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, an attitude of thanksgiving. When we begin to live our lives with gratitude in our hearts and become thankful for the things that are going on. That's what Paul said in that, latter part, that last part that I read in the verses 11 through 13. He said, I have learned to be content in all situations. Now, for some of us, we might look at someone and say, well, you're sure they can be content. They've got everything you could ever want. That wasn't true of Paul. Paul, had, he, as he talks about, he learned to be content in his prosperity in the times that he had things going all right, but he was also content in the times when things weren't going all right. He was content in all the things that he dealt with. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and read all the things that he dealt with and all the punishments and all the times in the sea and all the things that had to happen in his life. But he said, I learned how to be content. See, what we've discovered in life even from the, uh, a worldview, is that people who can learn how to not be anxious about every single moment are people who seem to be more kind, they seem to have more empathy, they seem to be more forgiving, they seem to be more willing to accept people for who they are and for what's going on. People who learn how to live in gratitude are people who are able to do things beyond what they used to be able to do, to trust things and to live in a peace and a harmony of what's going on. Someone even said that if gratitude could be put into a pill and swallowed by everybody, it would be the miracle cure. People would, because science has proven that people who are grateful, people who have joy, people who can put aside the worry and things in their life and live in a truly grateful attitude of life, live longer, on the whole, again, there's always exceptions, but live longer than the average person. 
because they don't live under the anxiety. They don't live under the, the things that are going on that eat away at our hearts and our health and our mental attitudes and the things that are there, but they find peace and joy in the things that are happening and going and being a part of that time as we look at it and as we say, we want to say, Lord, if I truly had this, well, then I'd, I'd, I'd have it, God. If you just give me this one thing, I'd have everything that I needed. It's not always that way. You know, I, as a young person, I thought when I first started in the ministry, God, if you'd just give me this size church, I'd, I, that'd be all that I'd want. You know, have this size church with this number of staff. and this, well, That'd be an ideal situation. But God helped me realize this size church has this many more people. This many more people means this many more problems. This many more issues that you have to deal with. This many more things that you've got to deal with. And it's, you know, you're really better off. It's really nice if it's just you and your wife in the church. You know, <laughs> you know, you know. But you know, there's always something in the if-onlys. When we, when we want something more, when we get it, it's never enough. There's always something about it. Either we wish it was a little bit more than what we anticipated we, or we realize that when we got it, it wasn't what we thought it'd be at all and it's even harder to deal with than what we were in the first place as we come with it. And so he's trying to help us understand that, that we need to trust God, that we, we need to put our faith in what God is. And, and Paul was saying, I, I looked and I saw it and I've come, become content with what I have and, and what's going on. I've become content in life because I realize that what I have in Christ is far more than what I don't have in life. And that's something I, I wish, if you didn't hear anything else that I said this morning, let me just say that again. And, and it needs to be a root of my heart. It needs to be the root of your heart. What you and I have in Christ is greater than anything we do not have in life. It doesn't matter what it is. You cannot gain. It, in fact, the Bible even says that. If you were to have the whole world and lose your soul, you've gained nothing. You've lost it all. And we need to learn that, not just in our mind as having heard it, but it needs to take root in our life, that if we have Christ in our life, we have everything for which we can be joyful. We have everything for which we can be grateful. We need to understand that. That's what Paul was saying. I have become content, not because everything in my life is good, not because it, my life has gone the way that I wish it had gone, but I have learned to be content because I have a Savior who called me by name and brought me into his life and saved me, forgave me of all my sins and cleansed me of all my unrighteousness and called me the very child of God. I have a God who loves me every single day. He doesn't love me because of who I am. He doesn't love me because of what I do. He doesn't love me because of what I might be. He loves me because he is loved and he has chosen to love me. I have a God who not only has forgiven me and saved me and loves me, I have a God who has promised that He will be with me and He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. That no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I go, God is there with me. He is always there. He's with me even in the times of my disobedience. He's with me in the times of my victories. He's in, with me in the valley. He's with me in the mountaintop. Wherever I am, He is always there. I have a God who never leaves me. I can be thankful for that. I can be grateful for that, that there will never be a moment in my life that I will live alone. Now, I may be alone physically here on earth, but I'll never be alone because the God of the universe, the creator of all that is, dwells in me. 
by the work of the Spirit of the living God. And I can know that to be true. I understand that and can relate to that. And so I have a reason to be grateful, a reason to be joyful. And no matter what's going on, I know that God will never forsake me. As I said, we, and Paul could just say, it. He, he's a God who provides my needs. He's, he's always been there. He's always been for me. I can trust Him and be with Him. I can be thankful for the fact that God has surrounded me with some of the greatest people in the world. They're called Christians my brothers and sisters in the family of God. What a miraculous opportunity that is. What a great time that is and being a part of it. Some of us, I, one of those, grew up in homes that were broken, disastrous, not anything that you would ever want to be a part of, nothing you'd ever wish on anyone. But then you step into the family of God and suddenly you're a part of something that's so amazing and so unique, not because everybody suddenly is like everybody else and, and acts the way they should, and certainly none of us are perfect and do everything the way that we ought to do it, but there's a family here. There's something that's here. I've had the privilege to travel all over the world in mission work, and everywhere I go, I encounter people who know the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's as though we have known one another forever because we have a, sense of, we have a bloodline in Christ Jesus. We're a family. We can be grateful for that, that we have one another. How many times have you said it? And have you heard other people say it in times of hardship and disaster in someone's life? That they say, I just, I just don't know how anybody can get through something like this if they didn't have God and God's people. We need one another. And every single day, you and I can be grateful and joyful for the fact that we have one another. That we have the opportunity to be a part of a church family and a part of those who care about us and love us and pray for us and minister to us and being a part of it. So Paul was just saying, I've, I've learned to look at life and I've found that what I have in Christ is just better than anything else that I look at. And anything I say, he said in Romans 8, in verse 18, I believe it is, he said, you know, in all the things that I've suffered, in all the things that I've dealt with in my life, I don't even count a single bit of that worthy of my consideration in comparison to what God has yet prepared for me to experience. See, we also can be happy. We can also be content because we know this world's not our home. This isn't the final place. This isn't what everything's going to be. We have a place that God has prepared for us and is going to take us to that is called heaven. It's a place that we will dwell in for all eternity. It is ours. And nothing that you and I experience, the very, 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 very best day of this world doesn't even begin to compare to the worst day that you could have in heaven. It's just not possible. And that's what he's saying. I've learned to be content because I've learned to focus on those things that I have reason to have joy in. Those things that I know can't be taken away from me. See, I can be rich today and poor tomorrow. I can be healthy today and not have any health tomorrow. All the things this world can give you are temporary. At very best. But what God gives us is eternal. It's everlasting. And that's what he wants us to see and understand as we look at this and, and as we try to grasp it, that we're to be grateful in all things that we have together. The, in the book of Habakkuk, if I can get my Bible to turn here for me, the scripture says it this way, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, and though the yield of the olive shall fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He has made my feet like hinds feet, and makes me to walk in the high places. You and I have always a reason to rejoice. That's what Paul was trying to say. 
That's how he could be content. It wasn't that life was good. It wasn't that life would go the way he wanted it to. It wasn't that we always had the best crop, the best job, the best opportunities to go on. It was the fact that God was with us in whatever we were doing and would always be with us. As we said, there's an old European story that talks about a traveler that was going along and he came across a, a barn and the doors were wide open. As he looked into that barn, he saw all kinds of sacks appeared to be full of seeds. And so out of curiosity, he wandered into the barn and he began to look and on the seeds, he saw that there were seeds that, that talked about greed. There were seeds that talked about bitterness and disappointment and despair. Greeds that talked about, that had, on, had labeled on them unforgiveness and unloving. All kinds, just over and over again, all these seeds about they were there. And as he was looking them over, Satan walked into the barn and observed what he was seeing and looking at it and began to have a conversation with him. And, and as they talked back and forth about it, the Satan was talking about, oh, yeah, these seeds are so easy. You can put them, in, you can plant them in anyone's heart, and they grow so rapidly and so quickly. It's so easy for people to be bitter and angry and unforgiving and unloving and unkind. It doesn't take but just a little seed, and all those things begin to just bloom in their lives. Well, the traveler was a little curious, and he said, are there any hearts, any people that those seeds wouldn't sprout in. And the, with a melancholy look on his face, Satan said, these seeds don't sprout in the hearts of people who live in gratitude and joy. They, just, they don't come up. They don't grow. If we make our hearts fertile for Satan to do what he wants to do when we live without gratitude, when we live without a sense of who God is, and what He wants to do in our lives, when we forget the wonder of who we are as His children, when we forget that, as He said in John chapter 1 and verse 12, to those of you who believe in Me. Listen, if you believe in God through Jesus Christ, to those of you who believe in Me, I give you the right, the authority, the privilege to be the very children of of God. John takes that further in his epistles and he tells us that we are not talking about someday out yonder but that we are this moment right now the very children Folks, you and I are God's children. You say, well, isn't everybody? No. Everybody's not. Everybody is God's child in the sense of creation. God created all things that there is. There's nothing that exists apart from God. But only those who have entered into a relationship with God through birth, the birth of Christ, of Christ in our lives, that new birth that's talked about, that spiritual birth, when that which was dead is brought to life. And then... In that moment, we are born into the family of God. And we're His. We belong to Him. And as His children, the Father says He will take care of us. He will provide for us. He will love us. He will never quit loving us. We have a Father who cares more about us than we care about ourselves. If we could just learn to trust Him. Just learn to lean upon Him 
and believe his word and take it to heart and being a part of it. So Paul says, don't be anxious, but rather let the peace of God rule in your heart. For I have learned, not that I've arrived, he made it very clear to start. I'm not there yet. I haven't got it all together yet. I'm not what I need to be, but certainly I'm not what I was. And by God's grace, I'm learning how to be content every day of my life, whether I'm in prison or out of prison, whether I'm being stoned or I'm being for free, whether I'm enjoying the benefits of the joys of life or whether I'm struggling to even find something to eat. doesn't matter. I'm content because my Father has me in His hands and I belong to Him. And he will never, ever suffer me to be lost from him, to be kept from his presence, to be a part of that. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think together about what it means to be a people of gratitude, it's so easy in our world because of all the things that are wrong to to have those mindsets of anxiety, of worry, of concern, to have that mindset of, of just feeling like if we just had a little bit more, we just need more security, we need more of this, we need more of that. It, Father, it's just to get caught up in the corruption and the evil and the immorality, to see everything that's so dark in our world and, and think, how in the world can I ever possibly have an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude? How can I know that I can be joyful? How can I learn how to be content? in the life that you've given me. Well, we know that it comes by your gift. We know that it comes when, first of all, we trust you as Lord and Savior of our life and and we become your child and and then we begin to trust you as our Father and as we grow and understand your word and as we pray and and fellowship and study the word together with God's people and as we begin to, to let our lives develop more and more, we learn how more each day to be a little bit more content with the reality that it's not so much about what I have, it's about who I have. And I have you, God. I have you and all the riches of heaven belong to me through Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray that you would help each of us realize that we're not gaining anything, as Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, by worrying. It's not adding anything to our lives. But when we begin to be thankful when we begin to praise you, when we begin to be joyful, we find added to our lives peace. We find added to our lives a sense of awareness of your presence. We find that life every day has meaning and purpose. And even in the deepest, darkest moments of our lives, we find that there there is dwelling with us the very God himself, our Father. Father, give us those kinds of hearts. Don't let our hearts be fertile for the seeds that Satan wants to produce, but rather let them become fertile for the seed of gratitude that you want to produce in our hearts. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.